Welcome back to The Strong Room. One dictionary definition describes the meaning of the word cornerstone as something of great importance that everything else depends on. A well-designed estate plan is built on four cornerstones. One is the tax plan, which we talked about earlier in the program. In conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770, here is the founder and president of Macmillan Estate Planning, Sherry Macmillan, with an overview of the other three cornerstones. So the very first focus of any plan should be your life plan. How have we structured your estate to provide you the quality of life that you are desiring and you want to create through the balance of your life? And All of the decisions that you choose to make around that, with all the opportunities that you have to select from, needs to be designed with your goals in mind. And so really the driver should be your goals. We don't work our entire life not to enjoy those phases of retirement. So for some of us, our dream is that we want to have a Phoenix property and spend time um, golfing and enjoying our lives in the warmer climates. Well, that needs to be part of our lifestyle plan then. It has to be built into. Um, For other families, we have families who prefer to travel uh, abroad and experience many uh, different jurisdictions. And so that is part of their planning approach is that they're going to be traveling. Now, in modern times, many people are choosing to what I call retire but still be in business. And so... I call it partial retirement. So they're choosing the work that they're doing. They're actually not retiring. And so then we build a different kind of plan around that situation in their life. So the life plan is the driver of all the other facets of a good estate plan, but it has to be the focus. Then, obviously, we want to make sure that your legal plan and your tax plan back up those goals in that life plan and that they're giving all the right infrastructure to the plan. But interestingly enough... That acts as our legacy plan for our children, because if we have protected ourselves first, it's the same analogy we have on a plane. We want to put our own um, air mask on before we put it on the person beside us. If we've protected our estate through the decades ahead that we have in life, we have naturally protected the next generation or charitable work we want to do or whatever it may be. And that plan can act as a double-edged sword because when we are finally gone and have had the blessing and the use of those assets, then they will automatically wealth transfer effectively, both in tax and in law, to the family members that you would want it to benefit. And through that process, Peter, we also build in, I call it the second life plan, the life plan for your children or your heirs, because historically, our parents, um, you know, didn't have a lot of wealth to transfer to us. But this generation has trillions in North America to transfer. And so when you're talking about transferring this kind of value, that old adage that lawyers used to say, you know, don't rule from the grave, don't worry about it. That's not our point of view in modern society. Our point of view today is I have a stewardship, a responsibility towards this wealth, and I want it to land with my children, but I want good stewardship with my children, and I also don't want it to be lost to divorce of my children or things of that type of situation. And so when we're building the legacy plan, all the same protections we've put into place for you, we duplicate and recreate them for the next generation and potentially even to the hands of the grandchildren from a legacy point of view. 
What should a family look for in a good uh, life planner? Well, this is a really interesting topic, Peter, and it certainly has become more developed in Canada, I would suggest. And that is this area has become an area of expertise. And the reason I I share that with families is, you know, years and years ago, for example, we used to have just one practitioner in in the area of medicine, for example. We'd have our general GP who would really care for us for the balance of our life around our health. But as science has progressed and as the medical community has progressed, what has happened is physicians go into areas of expertise. So, you know, we we still may have our general GP, but we certainly would go to a heart surgeon and a cardiologist if we had some concerns around our heart. And in the same way, if I can use that as a comparison or an analogy, we today in modern society have designed a whole field around estate planning, an area of expertise. And so what we want to look for is somebody called a trust and estate practitioner. It's somebody that has at least a minimum of 10 years tenure working in this particular area and field, and they stay abreast because they're mandated to to hold their credential with all the legislational changes that come about on each uh, situation in each jurisdiction and by budget and by law. And so they're always staying abreast of what may impact you as a family. And the other interesting thing about being a specialist in this particular area is we humbly say as trust and estate practitioners that if we're lucky, we are only ever about three years old. And the reason I say that is, you know, consistently you'll learn a particular topic in legislation and how it would apply to us in the community. And then the moment we understand it and have actually worked through some precedents around it in a family situation, the legislation changes once again. And so it's a constant battle, truthfully, um, for your professionals, even if they are a specialist in this area, to stay abreast of the technological changes in law and tax that have come about. So to be able to stay abreast of that and to be a firm like yours, that offers that kind of expertise in a multi-jurisdictional sort of environment is really key. I think it is fundamental in modern society. So um, our firm specifically, I can speak to, but our trust and estate practitioners, our accountants, our lawyers that have an area of expertise in this area, we not only um, work across Canada, Peter, but we have divisions also and branches in the United States. And we also, in the last few years, have expanded into the UK-EU jurisdictions because that is very true of modern families. Many of us have asset bases in a varying um, position and also in transition too through the courses of the decades ahead in life. So, you know, it's common for us to have a family business, for example, that operates in Canada. The children take it on in the next generation and they push it out into being a multinational company or they take it into America. And now we have not just a Canadian Alberta company any longer. We actually have uh, a corporation that has many branches and divisions. And so how it would impact your estate is going to change and grow and transition with you. There's one more area that I do like to talk about that I think is fundamentally important because of our longevity nowadays. Many of us are going to live to 100, and the studies show that. And so all good estate planning, to me, should be safeguarding you the retiree first, and it's going to protect you through the decades ahead that you face during retirement and give you the peace of mind and security that your lifestyle is protected. And then that plan itself actually acts as a dual-edged sword because it can act as the plan for your children. And so it's really fundamentally important understanding how long we're living that every plan and every technique that you employ, first of all, protects you 
and is going to give you the protection you deserve through those retirement phases of life. Our thanks to Sherry McMillan and Norman Ewing for sharing their wisdom on the program today. To learn more about McMillan Estate Planning's life planning approach, we welcome you to visit our website, macmillanestate.com. This is The Strong Room.